0: Amen. Actually, that song right before that was called Blessed Assurance. I grew up in a Wesleyan church where we sang that song, I think, almost every week. Uh, on Sunday night and Wednesday night, we would not have picked out songs ahead of time, but rather the pianist would ask people to call out numbers. That was 236 in our hymnal, just to let you know. But the reason I know that is because there were individuals who they wanted to tell their story. Uh, This is my story, this is my song, praising my savior all the day long. And they were so excited and every time they got the chance, they called out number 236 and we didn't even have to turn to it anymore. We knew what song it was. Uh, We have a story to tell because God has been very good. And I agree with you 100% Debbie, thank you for sharing that with us this morning. It is a blessing to have each of you with us today to be able to celebrate the Lord, to be able to celebrate this new year. Welcome to 2020. Did I dismiss the children? I think they're already out. It's good. There's Amy. We're good. Okay. Sorry. I just realized it afterwards. So Uh, welcome to 2023 for some 2022 was a tremendous blessing. You look back and you're thinking, man, I want an instant replay from last year. For others, 2022, you're looking and thinking, it is finally over. But what will 2023 bring to you? Of course, we always hope and pray for blessings, but what we really need is a miraculous move of God in the hearts and lives of God's people. And that's what I am praying for, for each of you today. The story is told of a wealthy man who built a large, beautiful house, and then he surrounded it with a large moat. He was so proud of his moat. In fact, he was as proud of his moat as he was his house. He called the community together to see what he had accomplished, and they all crowded around to get a close look at it. The wealthy man explained that he had filled his moat with four alligators, dozens of aggressive snapping turtles, a few boa constrictors, and about a dozen piranhas. He then extended a challenge to the entire community, believing that no one would respond. He said, if any of you is brave enough to swim across my moat, I will grant you the choice between a million dollars or the hand of my daughter in marriage. Suddenly a splash could be heard and everyone looked to see a young man who was speedily racing across the water. When he reached the other side, the wealthy man admitted that he did not expect anyone to attempt such a crossing, but he was thoroughly impressed with the speed at which this man had swam across the moat. He then reiterated his offer, which prize would you prefer? Do you want... The million dollars or the hand of my daughter in marriage? The man struggling to catch his breath simply said, neither. He said, well, what do you want then? I just want to know who pushed me. <laughs> my hope this new year is that Trinity Wesleyan Church will serve as a catalyst to push you further into the water in your walk with Christ than you ever have been before before. My prayer is that each of you will be able to accomplish more than you dreamed possible. And I pray that in each of you, the name of the Lord will be glorified every single day. Every year, we identify a specific theme for the church moving forward that we want to push throughout the year. Sometimes it may be unique to an individual, or it may be a focus on family, This year, our focus is simple. It is a combination of three words that each could stand alone and be effective, but I want us to use all three of these in the year ahead at Trinity Wesleyan Church. Our theme for 2023 is simply inspire, equip, and empower. I'm going to repeat that. You're going to hear those terms a lot in the months ahead inspire equip and empower our theme verse for the year will still be micah 6:8 much as it has been before which says and what does the lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god and i believe that if we do these things acting justly loving mercy and walking humbly with our god then we will be plenty inspired we will be equipped to do far more than we could ever imagine, and we will be empowered to change our world. Now, before I get into my primary scripture passage this morning, I want to address these three things that we'll focus on in 23. First, we seek to inspire. There are a few things that can truly inspire in our world. There are things that we try to have inspire us, but they fall short. There will often be those with charismatic gifts that will inspire us for a time, but the charisma is usually short-lived. There will be others who will amaze us with their talents or their abilities, and we look and we just, we, we can't understand how they got so many gifts and we didn't. But those talents and abilities will only take a person so far. But do you know what truly has the power to inspire? Let me share a few things with you. First, it is a genuine experience with God. Consider the fact that the early church flourished partially because they had a genuine experience with the resurrected Lord. It wasn't just somebody else's story, they had experienced him themselves. First among the disciples who experienced him firsthand in a room, the resurrected Christ appears to them. On one occasion, we're told that as many as 500 people witnessed the resurrected Christ all at once. When other people would claim that this is just some made-up story, there's no way Jesus rose from the dead, what do those 500 people do with the objections of others? They could not remain the same. They could not be silent because they had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that when you have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, you cannot remain the same. It always will change who you are. A second source of inspiration is sacrifice. This can be on your part or on the part of another I remember many years ago, being at a house fire. It was for a family from our church in Pennsylvania. We had seen the smoke. as about a half mile or so from the church, and I arrived at the scene with firefighters still inside. One of those firefighters didn't make it out alive. I remember talking with the homeowner, and he shared that this firefighter's sacrifice would not be in vain. They would live forever grateful for what this man had given for he and his family. When one is willing to give so much of himself for the well-being of another, it can inspire others to sacrifice. That example is one very simple one, but the truth is it was a very costly one. A third source of inspiration is simply the Holy Spirit's presence. What if God gave you a dream, a vision of what God longed to accomplish in and through you? Would it inspire you to dig deeper, to give of yourself, to press on even when things don't go as you planned? You know that it would. I believe today that the Holy Spirit wants to show up among his people. And I believe he wants to inspire us to greatness. A final source of inspiration is having others who believe in you as well. I want you to know today that I, as a pastor, believe in you. I believe that God has created you, not just a few of you, but every one of you. God has created you to accomplish great things things, and it's almost like low-hanging fruit. Those things are there for the taking. All you have to do is to reach out and to grab it. I believe that God has great things in store for you in the year ahead, and I would love to see those things accomplished. I want you to experience all of those four things through Trinity Wesleyan Church this year. I want you to be inspired for greatness. When we talk about equipping, there are two aspects to this. On the one hand, the church has always had the responsibility of equipping the saints for service. In other words, we need to give you the tools and the opportunities to share the good news with those around you. We do that through special events, but we also do that through training. How many of you have ever wanted to share the gospel, to share your faith with another individual, but you didn't know exactly how to do it? We want to equip you for effective service so that you'll be prepared to share the gospel in the year ahead, and we'll give you opportunities to be equipped. And as we equip you, we also want you to be empowered. And I know inspired and empowered, they kind of go together just a little bit. I've already mentioned some of the things that will inspire, and in doing so, those are things that will empower you. Things like a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But what can God empower you to do? I want you to be empowered to change this community and even to change this church. That is, unless You're already satisfied with where we are and how far we've gone. I will tell you that I am not. I believe that the best days of the church lie in front of us. Now, I do have some goals that we as a church have for the upcoming year, and they flow out of these three things, inspire, equip, and empower. They can only be accomplished if God's people are truly inspired, equipped, and empowered. The first is one that we have sought in years past. Several years ago, I challenged the church with the goal of reaching at least 50 people for Christ in that year. We came up short by only reaching 49 people for Christ in that year. I'll tell you what, I'll take that. If we reach 49 people for Christ, we will celebrate at those who have given their hearts to Jesus. My prayer for the upcoming year is not just 50 people coming to Christ. I actually, it may sound really weird, I set the number at 53, and here's the reason. This is a unique year. It's one of the very few years where we actually have 53 Sundays on the calendar. Today is the first one. The last one will be on December 31st. I would love it if we could reach one person for Christ every week of the year. I believe this church has all that it needs to reach at least one person every week with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This may be through preaching, through children's ministry, through youth ministry, or an outreach event. But the most effective tool is not me. It is not one of those events. It's not Amy. It's not Lee. The most effective tool will be you. Take a moment right now. And picture that individual who is already a part of your life and you know that they currently do not already have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe for some of you, there's more than one person on that list. Now ask yourself, what would it take for this individual to surrender their lives to Christ this year? Now begin to pray that God would give you the opportunity to lead your loved one, your friend to Jesus Christ. Not trying to get the pastor to do it. Man, I'd love to lead your friend to Jesus. I'd love to lead your loved one to Jesus, but what I'd really love is for you to be able to share your story. This is my story. This is my song. Do you have a story to tell? Maybe your friend needs to hear your story. If you cannot picture somebody yet, then pray that God would bring someone across your path so that you can share your faith with them. A second goal for me, beyond having 53 people receive Christ in the year to come, a second goal for this church is to see this church grow significantly over the next year. Now, some of y'all, you're not going to want to hear some of this because it offends you. We're talking about numbers. Listen to me, though. We currently average about 230 people in our Sunday worship attendance, not including our online ministry and the attendance numbers for a church plant that was launched a couple years ago. I'm just talking about those who are on site attending on a regular basis. By this time next year, I want us to average about 330. You say, well, that's a really big number to begin with. That's unrealistic but I want you to consider that if you reach 53 people for Christ in the year to come, then we ought to see many of them become a part of the church. So it's not such a big number. And if you assume it's all about numbers and that's all the church is interested in, let let me make something really clear to you. First, every number represents a soul. If we do our job, Every person who attends church at Trinity Wesleyan Church will also hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and hopefully hear how to better serve him. That matters. You say, well, numbers don't matter in a church. Yes, numbers do matter. There is a world around us that desperately needs Jesus Christ. And if we can do something to reach them, then we ought to do something to reach them. In addition, whether it's fair or not, the more a church grows, the greater influence we will have on our community and even our denomination. If you believe that the message that we are sharing is needed for today's culture and for today's church, then numbers matter. People listen when they see that you're making a difference. Finally, the last goal that I'll share about today is that we want our church to become more engaged in the local college campuses. Now I confess that I am still trying to figure out what that will look like. I just know that we are surrounded by opportunity. We are surrounded by a generation of young people who desperately need Jesus. I've talked with far too many who seem content to wait until later in life to live for the Lord or they see the Christian faith as something that is irrelevant to today's culture. They are wrong and we need to do something about it. I believe that God has great plans for this church in the year ahead, but I believe that we're gonna have to be very intentional to make those things happen. So here I am, I'm halfway through my sermon notes and I haven't even gotten to the scripture. Today I am beginning a new series entitled The Year of Jubilee. It is based on an actual reoccurring event that was part of the Jewish culture throughout the majority of the Old Testament, but it also connects with where we want to go as a church in 2023. Our text is based out of Leviticus 25. If you wanna go ahead and turn there, I invite you to do so. I wanna read a portion of it to you today. We're only going to read a few verses this morning, but over the next month, we're going to read it in its entirety as we look at the year of Jubilee and what God had in store for his people. Today, we're in Leviticus 25. We're looking at verses 8 through 12. Look at it with me. Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the 7th month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself, or harvest the untended vines. For it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. Now, a lot of this—you're looking at this and say, "What does all of this mean?" It's talking about a jubilee. We'll talk about what that means in just a moment. What is the significance of a year like this? The principle of a Sabbath was something that had already been established all the way back at the beginning of Genesis. God created for six days, and on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. He was done. Later in Exodus chapter 20, as the Ten Commandments are given, one of those commandments, the fourth commandment, instructed God's people to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, I do want to note two, thing, two things here. First, the primary purpose of this was to help the people to remember that they cannot leave God out of their lives. The primary purpose is to connect God's people to God. They were to be fully devoted to Him, even in the busyness of their lives. And that included a day to honor Him, drawing near to Him through prayer. And worship. In other words, it wasn't just about rest. Yes, God labored for six days and on the seventh day he rested, but it wasn't just about rest. This is about worship. So the point of what I'm sharing here is that we need worship, all of us. It refreshes us, it inspires us, it equips us, it empowers us. Those same terms we talked about earlier, So I encourage you, I challenge you this morning to make church a priority for you and your family in the year ahead. But the second part of this Sabbath practice is found in the fact that while it continually reminded the people of their need for God, it was also something that their bodies needed anyways. It doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure out that if you continually burn the candle at both ends, never taking a break, you will eventually become useless. You will burn out. So again, I encourage you to make church a priority for you and your family in the year ahead. You will be better off for it. By the way, the kingdom will be better off for it as well. Each of us is given gifts and abilities. This church is incomplete without you as a part of it, but you benefit from being a part of the church. The idea of a Sabbath went beyond taking a seventh day for rest. There was even a Sabbath year, according to this passage, where the fields were given a rest And then following seven cycles of this seven-year period, in other words, now 49 years, in the 50th year, there appears to be another year that is set aside, a year of significance. This was called the year of Jubilee, and it was a year that was devoted fully to the Lord. You may wonder why I say that it was a year devoted fully to the Lord. It never explicitly says that in our passage, but everything about it is connected to the Lord. To begin with, this year of Jubilee was announced on the holiest of days. In the Jewish culture, the temple was set up to honor the Lord in different ways, There were specific courts that were intended for different people depending upon your social status. In addition, there were courts where people could gather. There were altars for sacrifice. There was even a sanctuary. But there was one area that was mostly considered off limits to everyone. That is, for everyone except the high priest. But even the high priest could only enter into this room once per year. This mostly forbidden room was called the Holy of Holies. And it was only accessible on the day of atonement. It was the one day that man was allowed to interact directly with the Lord. I want to come back to the image of this year of Jubilee. We're talking about the day of atonement there. According to this passage, the trumpet was to be sounded throughout the land on the day of atonement. This signified some type of an important announcement, like the arrival of a king or the issuing of a great proclamation. Do you think it was random that God told them to do this on the day of atonement? the day that they interacted with the Lord. This is the day of the Lord, and it is not to be overlooked by anyone in the land. And this trumpet blast is to be accompanied by this declaration. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. Now the term consecrate as we begin there means to set something apart as to having a special value or belonging to another. Obviously, things were often consecrated throughout scripture. For example, things that were in the temple that were only to be used for holy purposes, the basin that was used for the washing of hands before the sacrifice. The altar was sanctified. It was consecrated to the Lord. You've heard me share previously in Joshua chapter three, verse five, that it wasn't just things that were consecrated, but people were consecrated. The Israelites were about to enter into the promised land and all the people of Israel are instructed to consecrate yourselves. For the Lord is about to do amazing things among you. At other times, we see the priests, they are consecrated. In other words, they are set apart as belonging to the Lord. And now in the year of Jubilee, we have an entire year being set apart for the Lord, consecrated. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. This is not just for the educated or the privileged. This is not just for the priests or for royalty. This is for everyone, even the Gentiles living among the Israelites. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Later, Isaiah would prophesy something about the year of the Lord's favor. Listen for a moment to the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor This is the same passage that Jesus would read over in the Gospel of Luke chapter four to those in the synagogue, proclaiming that he was the one who would perfectly fulfill these verses. But we also see an image that coincides with the year of Jubilee. As this year belongs to the Lord, these are the things that are provided. He will bind up the brokenhearted. How many of you have been brokenhearted? You've lost a loved one or someone has betrayed you. You feel like you're all alone. And wouldn't it be great to have the Lord bind up the brokenhearted? He will proclaim freedom for the captives. Those who have been captivated by sin. Those who have felt as if there was no way out of some type of addiction. Wouldn't it be great to know that God can set us free? He will release the prisoners from darkness. Those who have no hope of getting out. They've been imprisoned. They know there's no escape, but God will give them an escape. And I love the image here. Prisoners, he will release the prisoners from darkness. He is the light of the world. We talked about it in the last series. Jesus is the light that came to the earth and he overcame the darkness. He will provide justice, comfort, and joy. I believe today that we need such a move of God. No doubt the arrival of such a day would be far greater than any New Year's celebration that any of us have ever been a part of. And for the most part, this is a once or twice in a lifetime event that is being described here. I am 50 years of age. Imagine that the last time we had a year of Jubilee, I was not even a year old. That means I wouldn't remember it from back then, but I've likely heard about it on many occasions. We've been anticipating this day for a long time. Talk about a time of celebration. It is finally here. Or maybe you experienced the year of Jubilee when you were a child, and you knew what it was to find the freedom and all the blessings that God offered in the year of Jubilee. You remember the joy that everyone had, because they knew that this was almost a a making things right moment for our nation. And you anticipated the day that this would happen again. Talk about a celebration. Some of y'all stayed up last night to watch the New Year's Eve ball drops in different places and all of that and the people are excited and the people are having fun. I'm gonna tell you that is nothing compared to what this would have been for the people of Israel. Israel. It's not just the beginning of a new year, but it is the year of jubilee. Now the passage says that it will be a jubilee for you. The term jubilee is an English variation of the Hebrew word jovel or jobel, which means a ram's horn or a trumpet blast of liberty. And we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks, but I want you to understand how accurate that translation really is. The one that said, it is a trumpet blast of liberty. The passage talked about people returning to their property and returning to their families. This was more than just a family vacation where you go and visit the grandparents for the holidays. This was the moment that all property rights could be restored. This was a moment where those who had been paying off a debt through servitude, they could be set free. Perhaps you had developed some type of debt that you couldn't pay off. You didn't have the financial resources to do so. What an individual would do is they would say, well, you know what, I'll become your slave, and I will work until the debt is paid. Actually, they would work until the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, even those who had become slaves, they were given the opportunity to return to their home. In other words, this year of Jubilee served as part of a system that kept the Israelites from being continually oppressed. It put people on even ground, and we'll talk more about that in a couple, be- couple weeks, but what's important here is that this became a year of hope and a year of freedom for those who had previously felt defeat. Maybe that's you. You know what it is to be defeated. You know what it is to be in despair. Imagine a time when God gives you hope that tomorrow can be a much better day. Remember, this is the trumpet blast of liberty. How many of you would love to hear the trumpet blast of liberty this morning? Do you long for freedom? Do you recognize the need for freedom? Listen to the words of Jesus as recorded in John chapter eight. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, in the year of Jubilee, freedom was granted to the captives, to the slave. My prayer is that you will find freedom from sin in the year ahead. There's a lot more to the year of Jubilee, but I want to wrap this up for today. I want to bring us back to where we started. This year is to be fully devoted to the Lord. It is to be holy. And my prayer is that 2023 will be such a year for you. I pray that we will look with a sense of anticipation into the coming year. Lord, what is it that you have in store for us? Have you thought about that in a while? Have you gotten up on Sunday morning and thought, what's the Lord going to do at church today? Or do you just go because it's Sunday and that's what you're supposed to do? When you go to work, Do you anticipate God showing up in that place, in your homes? Do you anticipate God showing up and doing something miraculous among your family, even for you? I believe today that as this is the year of jubilee for us, a year for us to celebrate God's coming and his moving in our midst, that there are great things in store. I know I don't have the calendar sitting in front of me. Actually, this is not... The Jewish year of Jubilee. But I want this to be the year of Jubilee for you, where God sets you free and God pours out his spirit on you, and God moves in your midst so that you can experience more of him than you ever have before. I was reading an article this morning, it was talking about why New Year's resolutions are not kept. There are so many different reasons for it, and everybody has their own reasons. I'm going to tell you one of the reasons is we have this idea, this this notion that somehow we're just going to suddenly change our habits without actually putting something else in place of those habits. I'm going to tell you that if you want this year to be different, then you have to intentionally put something else in place. Let that be the Holy Spirit in your life Let that be the experience of Jesus Christ. Let that be the devotion to be a part of a church. Let that be doing family prayer time, spending time in your Bible. There are all kinds of things that you can pour into your life to replace some of those other things that maybe you really didn't need to begin with. Some of you will make resolutions today. I encourage you to make resolutions, but I encourage you that as you do so, Let your number one resolution be, I will serve the Lord more faithful this year than I ever have before. I want to experience him because this is my year of jubilee, my year of freedom, my year of hope, and my year of God's blessing. If you would bow your heads with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, I am so grateful for the freedom that you alone offer to us. Lord, I pray for each individual in this room that if they do not yet know the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ, that today, right now, you would grant that freedom. Well, we know that there are many things in our past that we want to stay in our past. We don't want them to be a part of our lives moving forward. Lord, I pray that you would be the one to grant us freedom. Let this be the year of jubilee for us. Lord, I do pray for your blessing. I pray that you would pour out your spirit on your people and that we would experience more of you than we ever have in our lives. Let it be our story that we get to experience daily and then that we get to tell to others. I do pray for this church in the year ahead. And I pray that you would help us to reach the lost in our community. Help us not to wait until months down the road. But even now, I pray that you would lay upon our hearts and minds those that desperately need you as their personal Savior. And then give us the boldness and the clarity to be able to speak the truth to them so that they too may know the grace that we have received. Father, I pray that you would use us To change the lives of others. We can't do it on our own, but through the infilling of your spirit, I do believe that we can change this world. I pray that you would make it happen. Father, I pray that we would be inspired, that we would be equipped and we would be empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus Christ. And we'll give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe the best days of the church are ahead. Do you believe the same? If it is, let's be a part of that, not just observers. Let's be a part of what God's going to do. Thank you for being with us this morning. Go in peace.